originally from Australia. And on that note, I want to welcome everybody to this Saturday night special of The World According to Ben Stein. If the show sounds a little technically glitchy tonight, that's because Ben is cordial enough to use his iPad in an indiscreet, indiscreet location and the, our nation's undisclosed, undisclosed location in our nation's uh, swamp, otherwise obviously known as Washington, D.C., I want to welcome everybody. It's the Watergate. It's the Watergate. Yes, it's a big place, so nobody will exactly know where to find you. (laughs) Very big place. And uh, I want to welcome everybody that's that's watching us on Rumble. I want to welcome everybody that's going to be listening to us on the podcast as we download it at a later date, which is later tonight. And I want to remind everybody, please subscribe to Ben's email, benstein.substack.com. That's where you can get news on shows, on our guests, on everybody. Benstein.substack.com. We are joined tonight. First time guest, long time listener. No, I'm kidding. If you're unfamiliar with that, uh, Miles, it's a everybody yeah, No, it's every radio show in America when there's a first-time caller, they go first-time caller, long-time listener. But his name is Miles Wakem. He's from the place where Don Bradman made famous. Of course, uh, one of the best shows on TV, Harrow. One of the greatest rock bands ever to live, Midnight Oil. And of course, one of the greatest rock bands of all time, Moving Pictures. Um, Welcome to the show, Miles. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. It's an honor to have you with us, and I actually am a fan of all of those things. Uh, and of course, from the thesimplelifenow.com, everybody, by the way, I'll give Miles' website where you can download his podcast in a few minutes, but of course, Gary Collins from the thesimplelifenow.com, founder, the podcaster extraordinaire, and of course, the yeah. man that has served this country for over 20 years, and of course, the man that always makes transitioning into this show so easy. Actor, writer, provocateur, saint, sinner, lover, father, grandfather, economist, mathematician, statistician, mathematician, but of course, most importantly, Dr. Benjamin Jeremy Stein, who has been called for emergency surgery in Washington. That's I'm it? Trying very, very hard to find a brain and a heart <laughs> in uh, the president and the vice president and the secretary of state and the Secretary of Defense, and the Speaker of the House, and in the Majority Leader of the Senate. Trying very hard, and if I find them, I am going to bring them out and put them to work for the people of this great country. I wish I wish you the best of luck with that. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot going on tonight. There's a lot to discuss on our show. Miles is an expat from Australia, which I find uh, absolutely fascinating. I find other people around the world, their views of how they view our culture at the moment. And there, and I think that's extremely important at this moment, Ben Stein. But the first thing I really want to get into is this, what Millie called, and it's the title of our show, what he called a righteous act, but it's a wholly unrighteous act. Uh, and I want to just say this. Uh, I don't, I, uh, when Biden had 50-50 intel, Ben, that bin Laden was where he was, Biden didn't, you know, didn't want us to strike bin Laden. We had... <laughs> zero intel and we over the horizon oh yeah over the over the horizon intel benjamin jeremy stein uh that uh 
and he and he allowed this strike that killed at least 10 civilians and seven children. Uh, we have all across America, of, you know, obviously there's some police brutality, but if a cop does the slightest thing wrong, everybody in that police department is fired. We call for the defunding of the police. Ben, I don't know how else. Obviously, this wasn't, um, uh, you know, murder in the sense of uh, it was uh, with intent. But there is something. This is a grave, grave, grave thing that we did. Uh, gravely embarrassing and immoral. Uh, murder is murder. And uh, people do get killed in bombing and war all the time. That's the nature of bombing. Uh, the, the, the strange thing is that the, the defense of it by the administration, even after it was quite clear that a mistake was made, and even after the war was over, I mean, it would, be, it would have been the, sort of the equivalent of a bombing uh, Dusseldorf after the Germans had surrendered. So I'm not quite clear uh, what we were doing bombing these people anyway, although I think the idea was to punish them for killing these uh, American servicemen who were blown up by uh, an ISIS-K, which is like Special K, uh, a terrorist uh, at the gates of, uh, of Kabul. So I don't, I don't I, or maybe the airport of Kabul. Uh, so I, 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 something bad happened. An awful lot of bad things happened in war. Um, we just have had but so you said something. But you said something a minute ago. We weren't at war anymore, Ben. We had... We, he had supposedly made peace, and I think there had, I, I think we're going to soon find out that they had been negotiating with the Taliban for a long time now for us to leave, and for the Taliban in return to let Americans and friendly people leave, which they're apparently not doing. So um, I, it was all a state of chaos, and how they thought they were going to be able to figure out who was Taliban. And among the Taliban, who was ISIS K, uh, that that was amazing. I mean, the, the, this is like expecting a uh, bird to uh, run miles around a track. I, I just don't get it. I mean, we, we just thought we could. We said we could do something we just couldn't do. It's extremely well said. And I'll go to you, Miles. Uh, uh, your point of view on this and how this is viewed. I'm sure you're. You talk a lot to a lot of people from your. Uh, from Australia, how this is how how our foreign policy is now viewed? Well, it's a it's a tricky one because in the past the foreign policies of the United States, certainly going back to say the twentieth century, were heralded, um, they were applauded worldwide, particularly in Australia. Uh, but it's hard to see how you can sell this to the world as a righteous deed. Uh, it just comes across as just why. Um, I understand. It looks like there was kind of a, a, an overreaction to a previous situation, but I would be concerned that revenge is an ongoing thing, right? You do one thing, somebody does something else. It, re retaliation continues. This is why we started 9-11. This is not how you end it. That's actually Sorry. brilliantly said, Ben, and what the point he's bringing up, then I'll go to you, Gary, the point that he's bringing up is the point you brought up the other night with Africa when we had uh, with the Taliban and all that stuff, how, how, how so much of this uh, terrorism in, in, with certain factions started. 
And this person that was a peace worker, his family was, uh, was annihilated, Ben. It's easy to say that we will have, that this will cause future, future, future terrorist attacks. We have... It, it is human nature that if we kill someone, that person's friends and family are going to want to get revenge. So um, I think we have to be pretty careful about who we kill. And we, as I've said on this show before, uh, we never talk about the fact that before 9-11, the U.S. launched a massive uh, drone attack or cruise missile attack on a um, al-Qaeda training base uh, and killed lots and lots of people. And supposedly al-Qaeda said that that was what they were blowing up the buildings in New York about. Uh, but it's... It's a never-ending ending cycle, but what, what to me is clear is that no, nothing useful is being accomplished there at this point, and I, I'm not sure why we're involved in it at all. And the idea that we can somehow find out what's going on is to me quite mysterious, although apparently there are still American journalists there who are finding things out. I, that, I don't know how that works. And exactly, Gary, imagine had the New York Times, I don't want to... Had the New York Times not been on the ground and for the first time in many years reported an accurate story. And secondly, the consequences. We all know there are going to be zero consequences, Gary. Well, it, it, it was a retribution attack, right? And people forget that Obama was the used drones more than any president. And obviously, drone technology was new, used it more than any president in history, also killed more civilians with drones than any president in history. This is not new. And the thing is, remember when it happened and we said, wait, they only struck one target and we don't know who the target is. I instantly called bullshit. I went, they hit civilians. That's why it's quiet. That's exactly why it's quiet. Not only that, but when I was in the military, we had this thing called verification of target. I was an intel guy. You never launch an attack or drop a bomb unless you've got verification, usually on the ground, or a source. I would guess the same source that let the the uh, bombers or the suicide bombers in the airport are the same people who gave us the intel on the civilians delivering bottles of water. And here's another part. Secondary explosions. Complete, utter bullshit. Completely made up. Yeah. Completely made up. They made this whole thing up. And their idea of getting back after they made a disastrous decision that killed 13 of our own soldiers and war's ugly. I agree with Ben. You can't avoid civilian casualties. You can't avoid losing life of your own soldiers. That's part of it. But when it's done by complete incompetence and to save face, that's to me when it comes criminal. And, no, no. and, and for this, this tells me right away, these guys are clowns. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no one on the ground. They have no intelligence. They're relying on the Taliban for everything. Criminal. Uh, this is you know, criminal. Unfortunately, they are very well armed clowns. I mean, they are they are armed clowns uh, have access to extremely deadly equipment uh, that our very 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 fine defense contractors have made, and uh, that that's that's a really scary situation. I mean, yeah. They're not clowns honking a horn or a, a blowing up a balloon. They're clowns who can kill uh, from a long way away. They're clowns who can kill 
because people sitting on a TV screen in Florida tell them to kill. That's that's a very scary situation. Let me ask you this, Miles. Um, the other day uh, we spoke about this on the show when Biden called your former prime minister the fella down under, and my pal. What is? I think it was better. Dude, I think it was the fella down under. I, down under, yeah. The fella down under and my pal, because Adam Morrison is an extremely hard name to uh, remember, Miles. Tricky. What was, like, the sentiment from your friends over there? As uh, I mean, like, I mean, because that's going to be a meme for, for, for Adam Morrison. And that's not really a good meme if you're a politician to run on that nobody, that the president of the United States doesn't remember your name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, it's firstly, it's Scott Morrison. <laughs> oh, Scott Morrison. I'm sorry. Adam Morrison. Thank you. Adam Morrison is the former, is the former yeah. Gonzaga player. And thank you for correcting me. At least I'm, I got oh, it. I'm not the president and I got it half right. <laughs> well, look, Australians have got a pretty decent sense of humor. I mean, they don't really, they're not going to get freaked out too much by that, but I think that the, the reason why they were having that meeting was very important. Uh, the fact that Australia is now embracing nuclear-powered submarines. I actually worked for the submarine corporation that built the diesel electric fleet back in the 80s. So, General uh, Dynamics? No, it was a, an organisation called the Australian Submarine Corporation. I, was a, uh, I worked in IT there. So I worked with the logistics guys uh, on that on those uh, boats, but it was um, it was interesting. I left after that, and so I didn't really even see them uh, deployed into the ocean. But um, Australia is this big island on the other end of the world. Um, you would wonder why anybody would want to outfit it with all of this arsenal, but. There's obviously very good reason based on its previous trading partner relationship. Based so, on its intelligence, and your, that's actually one of the subjects I was going to bring up was, uh, was, was this foreign policy situation. But I want to, I want to this, end this uh, thing with Ben, and I said there is no consequences. There are no consequences for these generals. There are no consequences for whoever ordered that strike. It, they'll shift positions maybe, there'll be hearings. And Ben, we know there, won't, there probably won't be hearings. There won't be hearings, <laughs> and the person that and people forget, and I this is really important that people understand the people that when we say drones, it, it, it really takes the person out uh, out of the human out of the equation. Mm -hmm. There is a person, Ben, that flew that drone that killed ten people that for the rest of their lives is going to yep. be sitting there going. I killed 10 people. I wonder, I wonder, I'm not, they're all different kinds of people and some will feel that way and some won't. If you watch uh, interviews with people who were bomber pilots during World War II and who did firebombing of uh, uh, cities in uh, Germany and Japan, especially in Japan, uh, they don't have any remorse Yeah, but about you're talking it. about, you're talking about yeah, war, Ben. That's and you're war. Talking, you're talking carpet bombing. Yeah. This person yeah. knows exactly who they killed, and it was them. They, there's no guessing. Yeah. Well, if I may respectfully say this, I don't think you're going to have an easy time finding a lot of evidence of people who were bomb piloting or guiding bombers 
even after clearly the war was won in World War II, uh, showing much remorse. The J Japanese are just beat to pieces by the time we dropped the atom bomb on them. They were just a mess. But I'm glad we dropped the atom bomb on them because we were expecting a million American casualties of them. Many would be dead if we did invade the Japanese home islands. I'm glad we didn't, very glad we didn't have to do it. But I have seen very few people who are flying aboard the Enola Gay saying, I think, of course, they're all passed away now, but, but uh, saying, we're really sorry we did it. Yeah, you know, you're, listen, I, either 601, this, it's, it's a really bad situation that will have no resolve. And I want Americans and everybody here to realize that if, if that had been done to us, you know, I, I was thinking about that, that time where the, the, the Russian separatists, as they called them, Ben, shot down that plane, where I think it was a Malaysian plane. No, killing, K -A -L. K -A -L. Yeah, KAL plane killing at least 200 people, uh, at least. Speak unspeakably terrible, unspeakably. And I have not seen any regrets from the Russians about that at all. I mean, that was an incredibly bad thing. And it all got under, under the rug. Under the rug. Under the, in Russia, although some of us remember it here, and those of us especially who have very close friends who are Koreans, uh, really, really, really are upset about it still. I believe it's happened twice, by the way. And I want to go to you, Emile, because... Right, Jude. I think it has happened twice. It has happened twice, because one of them, the first one, I believe, I don't want to say it was our fault, but we had a security plane that... Uh, 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 we actually did have a spy plane in that region yeah. that they... Yeah, sure. You're right. You're right. So it's happened twice. But Miles, I want to go to you. There's a reason I brought up Midnight Oil. God bless Midnight Oil. One of my favorite songs ever is a song called The Forgotten Years. Mm -hmm. And um, it's uh, brilliant. I've played this for you, Ben. It's, it's a brilliant song. And, um, and, and the reason I bring it up is where is the... I, at a certain point, there has to be right and wrong. There has to be that this uh -huh. is... That's good. That's good. That's good. There has Easy. to be that this is right or wrong. And the reason I love a band like Midnight Oil, they were they were they were extremely a protest band song. And and and, and once upon a time in this great country, we actually had musicians, even though we might not have agreed with them, singing protest songs, doing it correctly, not getting on Twitter calling people Nazis or uh, the Christian Taliban. Uh, and that's and Miles, that's why. Who did that? Remind us who did that. Many people on the left. <laughs> but, Miles, I go to you, and that was the reason I brought it up. It's, it's this, you, you left Australia as an expat because, in a, in a sense of protest. You, 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 why did you leave Australia, out of curiosity? Uh, I had been feeling for many years a sort of an erosion of freedoms, and this is going back to the 1980s, so this is going back quite some time. There was this general sense that culturally, as an Australian, if you wanted to do anything that wasn't the norm, you had to get out. And this was the case with musicians. It was the case with actors. It was the case with anybody. Um, there was a phrase they commonly use in Australia called the tall poppy syndrome. And I don't know if it's a commonly heard thing. It might just be regional. but It's regional. It's regional. Yeah, right. The theory is that in a field of poppies, if any one of those plants attempts to grow higher than the, the rest, 
the neighboring plants suck the nutrients out of it and effectively kill it or bring it down to the level of the, of the society, of the group. That's Australia right there. At least it was when I lived there. I know, believe very strongly that it still is. The problem is that individuals can't speak out. In other words, you, you can't express yourself beyond what would be considered social norms because you're either, you're one of them or you're one of us, or you, know, you, you can't say anything that would upset other people. And so people don't, they just shut up and take it. Um, and I didn't want to be that sort of a person. I, I had goals, I had career ambitions, I had things I wanted to do. And I just became a big fish in a small pond and I got out. Um, I and went you came back. to a place where the same thing's happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny. At the time when I came into uh, the United States, it, I had that moment of opportunity of comparing a B comparison of what it felt like in, in Australia versus what felt like in the U.S., and it was noticeably better in terms of a sense of freedom, a sense of opportunity, of possibility. It's, I guess it's the immigrant dream. And I don't think that's ever disappeared. I think what's happened is that the opportunities have kind of been nullified. And, and what's happened, I think, is a lot of people who cannot get a shot at the, quote, American dream they have decided that their only way to try and get it is to go to some counterparty, the government, somebody who's going to, quote, bail them out or stimulate their opportunity or, or whatever you want to call it. And for people who are just come here and work really hard and took all the risks and, you know, are sitting back going either we want to get a reward for this. I mean, we've done a lot of work here. Uh, it's it's kind of offensive. So, I, so, I so let me go to go Ben. Ahead. Ben, he just said that so eloquently about why people want to come here. Uh, the 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 ambitions, the goals. It's it's is you know it, it, the the stifling that goes on in their country. And you're constantly saying that we are the greatest country in the world by a billion miles. By a billion miles. And 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 what frightens us on this show is how we're losing it. And the, you know, people believe there's, they take American exceptionalism, Ben, and, and that word is like somehow a, a, a bad word, but we're an exceptional country. We, we've done exceptional things. Yeah, we absolutely have. I'd like to back up a little tiny bit here yes. and just say, uh, I'm watching the news. I, I, tonight I had dinner in a restaurant uh, where they were showing above the bar. I hate to even say these initials, CNN. And they were showing endless pictures of huge, endless streams of migrants coming into the United States. And I keep thinking, what's going on? All the liberal media endlessly telling us what a horrible country we are, what a bunch of racist bastards we are. And all these people, excuse me, are risking their lives, turning their lives upside down to come here all, from all over the world, even people from Haiti, coming here in miserable, flimsy boats, risking their lives. And they're black. They're coming here. They're black. Don't they know that because they're black, they're going to be discriminated against and lynched and tortured because they're black? No. They know the fact that even as a black person, your life in the United States is incomparably better than it is anywhere else. 
They know that. Why isn't that picked up? We're picking it up. Blacks, even blacks. Yes, blacks who have some sense, which is obviously the Haitian ones, know they're a lot better off in the U.S. than in Haiti. Why? I mean, I, I, I can never get over this. This country allows unlimited numbers of people to leave. Why is no one leaving if this country is so bad? You see, you bring up a great point, both of you, you and Miles, but and you keep on like going into the next point I wanted to bring up, which is Gary, and I'll go to you, and then I'll go back to Ben, and I'll go to Miles on this, is the indoctrination that's going on, obviously, in our school system. And I sent Ben one of the most frightening uh, school oh, things uh, oh. from LA Unified. And if you're not familiar... And for the people that are unfamiliar with LA Unified, it is the mob of the, it is the mob of schools. It is it is it's worse than the mob because at least the mob wants success for their kids. Um, Gary, uh, there was a classroom that had uh, you know Black Lives Matter, Free Palestine. Oh my uh, God, I didn't see that one? Yeah, it was Free Palestine. It was it was a whole slew of other woke things that these kids and and a parent pulled their kid out of the school. Uh, and that's what we're, and it's against, it's against obviously the, the, the city ordinance of, I guess, schooling, Gary, but that's what's going on is this indoctrination that, that somehow we're, uh, that we are bad and, and, and all this stuff, Gary. Well, first of all, uh, Ben, the way they're doing it, see, we're still evil racists. They just need to bring all these people in to dilute us. That's their thought process. That's how they think. Um, but no, I remember back, oh gosh, it's probably 10 years ago, maybe longer. They did a, a, a basic breakdown of LA Unified and it was three to one administrators to teachers. It was ridiculously <laughs> corrupt. It was so corrupt. It was unfathomable what you saw there. All the admin buildings, they'd been dumping and building all these admin buildings, all built with the most beautiful stone imported. They were just ridiculous. It got to the point where people are all, what is going on? But let's be honest, the, these progressive lefts, these radical lefts, they had a game plan and they had a game plan to get into the educational system and indoctrinate the kids. That was their goal. Once you brainwash the masses, the war is over and you never even have to fire a shot. Because everyone will go along to go along. And if you don't, you're evil, you're a racist, and we must take care of you and put you out. That's their attitude. I mean, it's scary. And I wish parents, that's why Democrats are so against school choice, too, because they know most people will pull their kids out and go, and the school districts will just shrivel up and die. That's what would happen. And I see it happening in all over the country, I have an incredibly, unbelievably beautiful, a staggeringly beautiful and intelligent granddaughter. And even she is getting brainwashed. It's really, really sad. I have a very, very beautiful, tall friend, incredibly tall, very, very beautiful. Her daughter, I think age 10 or 11, I'm not sure, I haven't seen a kid, uh, but I'm told she's about that age, is being brainwashed right and left, right and left. I have a friend, a very, very, very close friend, who is a college student at a Christian college, a Christian college where I used to teach, and that was at one time very, very conservative and very pro-Christian. 
she is being told that January 6th was an act of terrorism by one of her teachers. I, as she said to me, she's a wonderful, wonderful young girl. And she said to me, is that, was that true? And I said, of course, it's not even remotely true. There was no act of terror. There was no violence. And of course, it's not true. You're being told that by people who hate America. And I, I'm, I'm to think that this is happening at a really primo, high, 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 high end Christian college is very scary. Well, think about it. They have made trespassing terrorism. Very good point. That's a big stretch. That's a really. I've seen and you've seen on TV the guards waving the people in. And as 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 the late great Norm Macdonald said, it was like they were following the ropes. Uh, yeah. They were they, they, <laughs> they were they, they, they were abiding by the ropes and just, you know, and just walking through. God rest Norm Macdonald. So but I want to ask you the same question, Miles, going going to Australia. Is this indoctrination happening there, too? Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you a real story about this. And this might lead into uh, what might be going on here as well. I have a very good friend of mine that I grew up with who is a professor at a university in South Australia. I won't name him for his own anonymity, um, but he's a geologist by trade and he became a professor of geology. Uh, he works for a very noteworthy university, government owned. And uh, I was in Australia a couple of years ago before they locked everything down. And we were sitting around the kitchen table. I was talking to him about us, telling him how, you know, how's work, how's everything going? And he says to me, I really, I hate my job. I'm like, what do you mean? And he says, well, I've got this class of 20 students. It was a small class. He said that 18 of the 20 students are foreign exchange students from China. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And he wow. said that he is being told by the faculty the chancellors, deans, and so on in the, in the college, that he has to graduate every one of these kids. And he said half the kids aren't even showing up to lectures. They're not, they're not passing in their papers. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, but I'm forced to graduate them because apparently their parents are putting so much pressure on the college to try to graduate these kids because of money. And I think what's happening is that the Chinese in Australia have seen an opportunity to kind of get their kids in. And with that, the family can, there's a kind of a loophole in the immigration process there that allows them to come in for a very short period of time with a boatload of cash, seed the money in, bring the family in. And with that, bring in the values that come from their yeah. country, which, you know, like all forms of immigrant immigration has that. But what ends up happening is you're bringing in these values of very socialist, very uh, totalitarian, no limits, do anything that's, that has to be done to get the job done sort of attitude. And it's part of the reason why I believe Australia is turned authoritarian like it is. But it would not surprise me that the same level of influence, not necessarily as maybe as, as overt as it is in Australia, but more covert in the case of the United States is occurring within universities here. And as a result, the best way to try to weaken uh, an adversary or a competitor for say economics would be to split them down the middle and make them fight each other. 
Well, Miles makes a very good point, though. Real uh, real quick, man, I want to see because you lived through this. Now, the radical lefts who are now in power and now running our institutions of higher education and basic education, they grew up believing in the doctrines and the teachings of Mao. Am I incorrect? Uh, You're quite correct. Okay. But I'm reading a book that my sister recommended to me called Life and Fate by a very, very famous Russian writer, Vasily Grossman. And it is about uh, life in Nazi Germany and Stalinist Russia uh, novels set set, uh, in both these places. And it is so horrible. Life in these countries and in these systems is so horrible. It just is enough to give you nightmares, even if you read it in the daytime. And I keep thinking to myself, isn't there anyone who's going to stay to say to these teachers, say to the students, you're so blessed to live in the United States of America. You are so blessed to live in a system of freedom. We have got to stay as far away from authoritarian socialism, national socialism, which is Nazism, Stalinism, which is communism. We've got to stay as far away from that as possible. No matter what else, we have to stay away from state control of people's lives. We've got to do that no matter what, or else there's no help for mankind. George Orwell wrote at the end of 1984, maybe it's not, not near the end, not at the end. If you want to see the future of the human race, imagine a boot stomping on a human face forever. And that is what is being taught to young Americans as the ideal, as the good thing. And that is just blood-curdlingly terrible. And on that note, if you just tuned in, you are listening to the world according to that man, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. I want to welcome all the rumblers and their rants. I also want to welcome everybody that's going to be downloading this podcast at a later date. We are not going back to YouTube. It is too intense to get that second strike, which of course every episode we do would be a second strike and getting banned. So screw you. Um, but also benstein.substack.com. Miles, I forgot, how do people find you? I, I run a website called beunconstrained.com. And from there, they can find me on my podcast. They can find me on my ramblings here and there. And, and I pop up on places like this from time to time. Be unconstrained, and we will be putting that up on our site. And of course, we're joined but from the simplelifenow.com founder, uh, Gary Collins, and of Thank course, you. Benjamin Jeremy Stein. And I, I want to go because uh, we touched on this a little bit, Ben, but I, 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 I keep on finding it. I, 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 I'm using the word ironic because it's, it's just a downright fright, frightening what's going on with our foreign policy. But we, the, the French, France pulled their ambassador there to, to the United States because of this, because they got, I don't even know what they needed eight nuclear subs for. I have no, 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 Australia needed subs. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what Australia needed eight nuclear subs for, but um, either way, they got screwed out of a deal. I, I, or, or, I mean, the deal was originally, I, I believe, between, um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, between the UK and France. And now we're selling, or France was selling to Australia, and now we're selling to Australia. If if you correct correct me, but our, I, it, I think it was originally we, 
that the, the, that France was going to sell diesel-powered submarines to Australia, and then the Australians decided they wanted nuclear-powered ones, as President Bush would say, nuclear-powered ones. And uh, uh, so uh, we are the world leader in making those. And so they went to the U.S. to do it, and the French got very upset because they wanted the that contract. It was a big, big contract for, for France, and uh, they, they got very, very upset about it. Now, frankly, uh, I, this, this kind of thing happens, and it does, this doesn't bother me all that much. But uh, if the French are upset, it's a shame. We, we love the French. They helped us uh, very, very, very much helped us win the Revolutionary War. They're great people and very impressive people. Uh, but uh, really and truly, uh, it's really our business and what we want to sell to the Australians. It's the Australians' business what they want to buy. I, I'd like to, if I may respectfully, go back to this whole idea of what our children are being taught. I never, ever meet a young person who is taught how incredibly great it is to live in a free country, how what an incredible miracle has been bestowed upon the young, middle-aged and old people in the United States by living in a free country. This horror of living in an unfree totalitarian country is so grotesquely horrifying and it's never taught. Never, ever taught. Why? 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 It was standard when I was in school to be taught that. It was standard that we were taught how horrible Hitlerism was, how horrible Stalinism was, how horrible Chinese communism was. That was standard. What happened? I mean, well, I, no, I won't keep you in suspense. What happened was the, the uh, penetration of the academic establishment in this country by communists or by people too stupid to know what communism is. No, you, you know, you, you, you're really raising a great point. I want to go to Miles. I, I, I do think we, we are the leader in so much. And I think what's, we, you know, a friend of mine used to say, L.A. was always 20 years behind New York City, in a sense, like in, in, in other countries. Are, do, you, do you feel like Australia has taken in our, this hatred, this indoctrination that they got it from us? Or was it just a, just a total? Uh... No, I, I think what's happened uh, in terms of the, the sentiment down there, Australia for many years prior to, say, the last couple of years of the pandemic we're, th we're going through, prior to that, it had a long, long history of digging up its wealth out of the backyard and selling it. So iron ore, uh, liquid natural gas, bauxite, uranium, anything you want, it's out there in the backyard. Just get a shovel and you'll be rich. And that really was how the world was. So we exported everything to the rest of the world. It was an export nation. In 2000, the biggest client came along who we've ever seen, and that was China. And Australia prior to that had been in a recession. So it didn't have a lot of money. People lived frugally. They didn't spend money they didn't have. They wouldn't buy a new car. They'd fix their old one. And all of a sudden, the bank's telling them, hey, your credit card limit's been raised and go spend and, you know, and they did. And it was all based on this money flow that had been coming in. And that money flow never stopped it, until about 2015. It just was, you know, a heyday for the Australian population. The problem is that when you get so hooked on debt, 
it's kind of like a heroin addict. You know, you're hooked on the dealer. You can't get off the needle. And people's homes went up in value. You couldn't buy a two-bedroom home in Sydney for under two million bucks. I mean, it was ridiculous. So this was the sentiment. And meanwhile, in around about 2015, Australia realized that they had gone into this kind of marital partnership with China. And China was a crazy person. And they were sending spies in and they were promoting pro-China rhetoric in all the universities. And, and then there was all these co-opted politicians being you know, infected by Chinese rhetoric and totalitarianism. And somebody eventually said, stop. You know, we, it's not worth the money. We've got to get out of this. Well, if you've ever been married for 20 years, a little bit of your partner rolls over to you, right? You become a part of their psychosis. So if your partner happened to be a totalitarian regime, what do you think the playbook is for the politicians? And that's exactly what you're seeing on the nightly news when you see protests. There was one, I think, yesterday in Melbourne. Yeah, um, I saw that. 2,000 riot police uh, came in there. They shut the entire city of Melbourne down. They shut all of the transport, no rail, no buses. The CBD was in a total lockdown. 2,000 riot police. The only thing I remember that looked like that was Hong Kong. What, I mean, what's What's amazing, Ben, though, is that he, what, I guess I don't understand what 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 was the problem there? What, what were the protest. why were the riots there? Well, the protesters were protesting against lockdowns because the lockdowns over this, I'll say it, overreaction to COVID. Uh, was draconian and authoritarianism, just like it would have been if you were in Wuhan or Beijing. And Australians are not, that's not what they signed up for. They're free, good, warm-hearting, and, and their biggest failure is they trust everybody. And when you start trusting government and they do this to you, you start wondering who exactly have, uh, you know, they've done a deal with the devil here. Very brilliant point and a scary point for us. And I think we can thank uh, Mr. Donald Trump, who uh, is no longer president, alas, but who uh, did caution us that while, yes, of course, we wanted an open relationship with China, as Mr. Nixon did, uh, which saved a great, great many people from grinding poverty and starvation, uh, we wanted to be aware of the fact that this was a totalitarian, totalitarian imperialist power, namely China, and we had better keep a close eye on them. And now they're, they're, I don't know if there's any stopping them at this point. They're a very big country, a lot of people there. They're hardworking people. They don't uh, just send their people to go on welfare. Their people work. They, they work. They, they don't protest. They don't uh, march around in signs. They don't have signs, but placards up saying Chinese lives matter. They work. And uh, we could use more people like that in this country. And uh, uh, can we stand up to them over the long run? Very good question. But Ben, he also raises a great point about it's, it's you know, we're not, we're not just talking about indoctrination from the schools. We're talking about indoctrination. It, it, what, what he's saying, it rolls over from your partner, from your, it, 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 we're, we're, we are in this vicious cycle, Ben, 
of, of mass indoctrination uh, by fear of, of people not speaking up, of people not, you know, there's a, what is she, a rapper, or a hip hop artist, uh, Nicki Minaj, uh, who is, who is who's, 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 who's black, who's gone against the Biden administration uh, for simply asking about, um, uh, about the vaccine and basically saying the Democrats don't own our black voice, uh, which was what Trump was saying, which was a lot of people were saying this before the election. Now, maybe she could uh, get a following, but it's it, it and she does have a following, Ben. Well, she has probably, a massive following, massive following. She'll probably be banned, but yeah. um, she already is. She's okay. already been banned on Twitter. Sledgehammer. They came down like a sledgehammer. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's exactly right, Ben. And, and here's the thing that people, and I constantly will say this, you, I don't, the concept that, Ben, that people don't realize they're next. It's, it, you're a, a hop, skip, and a jump from it being your question that you ask next. Because as you, as you said when we got with, with the YouTube thing, you know, who the experts are, who are the experts. And there's a constant change of, you know, your, your point in your brilliant article was about the economy. So if you're an economist yeah. and you disagree with the head of the economy, are, are you going to be banned from your free speech for speaking out against the economy? And that's where the... the, 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 the well, once you say the rule is no contesting the experts, well, okay, so that means you can't contest tax rates, you can't contest tariff rates, you can't contest uh, proficiency tests in school. That, that's the end of freedom. That's the end of freedom. And the Biden administration, along with the high tech companies, are taking us way down that road. And my and and you know for a, for a really long time, uh, what was that? I said this to you yesterday, and I'm going to have a hard time remember. You have to be your own. Um, uh, advocate. That was the big line from the left. You have to be your own health advocate. And all of a sudden, people are trying to be their own health advocate. They're getting banned. They're getting shunned. They're, you know, the NFL, there was a story today, Ben, with a bunch of players, uh, I would imagine predominantly uh, black players, who have gotten fake vaccination cards. Right. And um, they're because they will lose their livelihood. They don't believe in the vaccine. And, and if you're black in America, I don't blame you for not wanting to get tested on. Me too. I, I, it, sorry, Gary. Me too. If I was yeah. them, I wouldn't get it either. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's one of those things, Ben. And it, we're really headed down, as we constantly say, this frightening slope. But Ben, it, 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 questioning. It's, it, it's, 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 I don't know where you go from there. And every time you write your pieces, I'm scared. Well, I'm scared, <laughs> and I think it's already had quite a big effect on my life. Uh, but, uh, but and I am scared, and, and uh, we're all scared. And our our uh, our lifestyle uh, of the Stallings is probably going to change quite considerably. But uh, we're real old, so it doesn't really matter that much to us. But I, I, it breaks my heart to see the indoctrination of people. Uh, by the left against uh, free speech. I'm seeing it within my own family. It makes me want to cry. Uh, really, really, really makes me want to cry. Uh, my wife's family, I think, is still uh, freedom of speech. They're still freedom of speech people. But uh, boy, it's a scary situation.
Are, what about going on in Australia? Are you allowed to question COVID or is it that the whole thing with Melbourne? You, you, you... Well, you know, I, I try not to even talk about COVID because you never, you're always going to upset somebody who has an alternative view on it. So I'm not a scientist in that regard. So I won't say that I know what's good, bad or indifferent. What I'm more concerned about, and this is not just in Australia, it would be here as well, is all of the infrastructure that's being put in place to uh, surveil and analyze and do well, the AI, the facial recognition, the, the high-tech uh, Orwellian state that is being built up under the pretense that we can't allow anybody to question the, the government's position in regards to a pandemic. I mean, really? I mean, you can question anything you want, if I remember. You just, maybe you have to do Not something. In Sorry. Yeah, ben, I uh, didn't hear what you said. I said, Miles, dear friend, not anymore. Can't question right. it. Well, the, this is where I blame technology because I have a technical background and I'm very, very upset at the people in my industry who don't say no when some idiot boss comes along and says, you know, we should create a facial recognition system to monitor everybody who walks down that street so we can count them for demographic purposes. How about you just say no? Say, look, okay, boss, you write the damn program. I ain't doing it. The problem yeah. is everybody's got a mortgage. And they're going to find the next guy that's actually going to do it. So it's a, it's a really, it's a really, but Ben, he actually, he's, he's bringing up a great point. And I did look at the, um, uh, because there's this common misconception about the unvaccinated. And the one thing that nobody wants to talk about, and you could Google this or anybody could look this up, it's not easy to find because they don't do it by state, is the race of people not getting it. Now, we're led to believe that it's the Trump supporter that's not getting the vaccine. But by race, it is, uh, they're catching up a little bit, but it's black, it's Hispanic, that are not getting the vaccine. But that's not what we're being told, Ben Stein, obviously, on television. It's the Trump supporter that's not getting the vaccine. Right, 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 right. We're told, that's right. We're told that it's the redneck, hillbilly, Confederate flag-waving uh, reactionary that's not getting the vaccine. Not true. Now, what, from what little data is allowed to be collected and dispersed, uh, d displayed, uh, it is African-Americans, uh, Hispanic-Americans, Excuse me. Uh, it, it isn't white people at all. So, uh, and we're not, not judging them. There's some. There's some. Oh, there's no. some. Oh. But there's some. But we, I mean, if we, if we really want to try to address this issue of the vaccination, why put our heads in the sand like what is the ostrich? I guess what does that? Uh, yeah, from your country. And uh, why, why, why do that? Uh, why do that? Why don't we address the people who really need? to be told that they've got to get that vaccine if they want to stay alive. Oh, that's also, that's, it's their right. It works. That's, that's exactly, Ben, your, your, your point exactly. We don't even have data on that. We're not allowed to ask for data on that. We have data, as Miles brought up, we have facial recognition for everything, but we can't get any single form of data, Gary Collins, on this COVID uh, and the origin. We, we know the origins, but we can't get actual data well, on the origins. We well, can't get data on anything. 
Well, I did a podcast this week. It came out on Thursday with a PhD virologist, microbiologist, who's been in the uh, area of field of expertise for several decades. I had to give her an alias. I did not put any links in the show notes because I was afraid that all the search engines would catch my links. And next thing I would know, my website would be taken down. So I had to take precautionary measures because I had my website taken down last year. Purely coincidence, but it got taken down and it was pretty, it was, it was obvious what had happened. And so we did, we used all basically most of the data she used with CDC data because she had been analyzing it from day one. And she said flat out, the data is being scrubbed and altered all the time. Oh my God. And, and I, I honestly, I, I, we talked prior to us doing the interview and I tore flat out. I go, I have to give you an alias. I cannot put you out in the wind and your family. Wow. There is wow. no way, no wow. way I can do that. And I'll wow. tell you what, it, it's been interesting. The response so far, I think people are even scared to respond to it, no, but no, I've been getting them. No. But he raises, you know, a good point and, and, and well, uh, raises a good point, which is that this has become a country of fear because there the Democrats take over and seven months and a few weeks into it has become a, become a country of fear. Yeah. And, and, and again, we're, we're always, you know, uh, Miles, uh, in our country, we live in a country based on science, but it's only the science that they that that the left wants to adhere to. And as you brought up with the facial recognition, we're not denying anything about COVID. We were just so everybody yeah. for the record understands. Yeah. We believe hundreds of thousands of people have died because of this. We believe we're not COVID deniers and we're all for your body, your choice when it comes to the vaccination. But again, Miles, in Australia, obviously you use Google. But it, it, it's the data inputting that people don't realize that that's it's it, if, you, if you're the ones putting in the data, you're the ones that control the world. Yeah, but there's an overreaction to it as well. I out of curiosity today, I'll, I'll cite some numbers here. Uh, I got some numbers of the uh, supposed number of COVID uh, positive numbers coming out of Australia in one day. The Australian population is 25 million people. It had 1,857 COVID cases today. The Arizona population where I live, about 8 million, we had 2830. We're not locking everything down. We're not surveilling everybody. We're not monitoring their bank accounts. Yeah. We're not stopping them from leaving the state. And we don't have protests on our doors of people who don't want to stand for that. It, it comes down to overreaction. No, I mean, sorry, everyone's on a hair trigger of anger and rage and fear. And that is because the media has whipped us all up into thinking that there is somebody out to get us. And it started as soon as Trump became president, the media started get, digging in and saying, this guy is going to kill you. This guy's going to be a dictator. This guy's got a Russian dupe. That started under the media dictatorship that began in the Trump years. You don't think, I mean, I just want, you know, for a history lesson for the people, you don't think it started under the Nixon years too? I, I think it very much was happening in the Nixon years. You're exactly right, Judah. Thank you very much. But then once the Democrats took over after Mr. Ford, 
uh, then once again, the Democrat, you could get away with bloody murder if you're a Democrat and you can do incredibly stupid things if you're Jimmy Carter or one of his followers. Uh, and then when Reagan came along, Reagan was going to get us into a nuclear war. That even very, very smart, famous writers and commentators were saying that Reagan was going to get us into a nuclear war. Well, uh, you guys will like this. A friend of mine sold, uh, sent me a link to a 60 Minutes episode done in 1976 on the swine flu. This has happened before, and guess who it happened underneath, Ben? Ford. Uh, Nixon. Ford. Ford. Yeah, well, Ford. They, 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 they mandated, they did the same thing, and I think 46 million people got vaccinated and 4,000 people died. I was shocked. I re- watched the video and I went, Oh, Jesus, we've been here before. Unfortunately, I was six, so I wouldn't remember. But I, I, I was shocked. I mean, I watched the whole episode and it was eye opening. It was a replay of what we're going through right now. And I was wondering, did you remember that? I don't remember it, but I do remember what the point that my dear friend Judah brought up moments ago, which is when you have a Republican administration in office, especially one run by somebody who's fairly sharp, uh, sharply trying to get us back to a democratic, small government country. We have a huge attack by the media saying that fascism is on the way. That it is is a scary thing to see how the media picks up the cudgels immediately and and starts hitting. And there's two things that I want to get to really quickly that Ben constantly brings up. And I want to find out from Miles very quickly if this happens there, because, Ben, you're constantly talking about how Republicans really need to start screaming. So they need to start screaming about two things. They need to start screaming, obviously, about what's going what happened in Afghanistan. And they need to start screaming that we're allowed to question. They need to be they be, they be outright screaming. You know, there are a couple Senate Republicans like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul and a few others like Cotton and Holly that are actually that are actually screaming about this Ben Stein. Uh, and and, and they, they, this doesn't need to. I mean, screaming that that it is okay for Americans to ask questions. And um, I want to know for Miles, from you, are there are there um, people in your parliament that are actually doing this or is this everybody going with the flow? No, there, there are people who are willing to ask questions. The problem is there's absolutely no constitutional protection for anybody asking a question. See, Australia doesn't there, have a constitution. You have no constitution in Australia? No, it's a basic Wellington form of government. It may as well be the British parliament. It's kind of a complete mess. And, you know, for so then, yeah, so then, so America is the only great power that has built into the Constitution freedom of the press. And if that's true, we better be really, really, really sure we don't lose it. Totally. I mean, this is day by day. Yeah, this is the key thing that people don't realize is that very few other countries have this beautiful thing which is a protection of the individual against its government right most other countries they are the government is pushing down on the individual from on high what the individual should think how they should act how they should decide but in the case of the us it's a bottom up and if we don't respect that the government if they try and make it a top down with it's game over. 
Well, we only we're the only we're the only government that has a Bill of Rights and Constitution that starts with we the people. We're the only one in the world. And that is why the genius British statesman Gladstone said the Constitution is the greatest work ever struck off by the mind and hand of man at any one time. Brilliantly said, an amazing way to end the show. I this is probably one of the best panel discussions we've ever had, and I want. We're very, very happy to have you here, sir. Yeah, Miles, you are absolutely great. Miles, how do you pronounce it? Wakeham? Wakeham, yes. Thank you. I got it right. Miles Wakeham. And uh, Miles, why don't you tell people how they could find you? Yeah, uh, again, I'm over at beunconstrained.com. Uh, I talk about individual freedom, the right to do what you want with your time while you get one life, may as well make the most of it. Perfectly said. And Gary Collins from The Simple Life Now. Dot com. You know him very well from our show, and I love reading the podcast reviews, how everybody finds us through you or they find you through us. Yep. It, uh, it, it really brings me happiness. Benstein.substack.com. Don't forget to download the podcast wherever podcasts are available. And of course, rumble.com. Just go to Ben Stein, hit the channel button, Ben Stein, and you will find us on Rumble. Subscribe. It means a lot to us since we're YouTube down. And uh, of course, Ben has been writing, has been on fire with his writing. So go to spectator.org. Yeah, I read it. It was, that's why I'm saying it. Spectator.org. Go find Ben there. Of course, bensign.substack.com. And I would just want to say something as we're closing out the show. It's sometimes really important. As Ben says, prayer is so important. And um, prayer works. Prayer works. And one of the things I've learned in uh, 12 steps is when you, uh, it's sometimes really hard to forgive people. And sometimes the best tip somebody gave me one time is pray, pray for a person because they're, you're unwilling to admit they're a spiritually sick child of God. And um, I know that's not always easy, but uh, there are a lot of sick people out there. And I think it's important to pray for the people that are going, going through rough times, that are struggling, that uh, aren't as blessed as, uh, some, as, as we all are, even though it doesn't always seem like we're blessed. And, um, we're blessed. And I pray for everybody that's going through a rough time. If they're sick, if they're struggling, I truly pray for everybody in this great country and around the world. Um, Ben Stein, please take us out. Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the awesome wonder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior's God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And that was Big Mama, my wife's grandmother's favorite song. God bless her and God bless everybody and God bless America. Have a great night, everybody. God bless you all. God bless you all.